I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I hope that you are glad this morning to be in the house of the Lord. And let us worship His Son, Jesus Christ. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. This is a parable of our Lord Jesus Christ describing the offer of the gospel that was made by the prophets and apostles of His to the nation of Israel and their rejection of it and the severe judgment and punishment they received because they took it so lightly. And I ask you this morning, and I'll ask you again in a few minutes, how lightly are you taking these things? God does not care about the things that you think are important. He doesn't care. As soon as you die, the things that you think important will disappear more fully than a soap bubble. But Jesus Christ reigns forever and ever, and He deserves all of our attention and affection. I read to you the first seven verses, verses that I put in the preparatory email yesterday, but verses I want to make you look at and then to consider in the light of our brother Paul's warning about them. Matthew 22 at verse 1, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. These seven verses describe God's dealings with the Jews. The next seven verses describe God's dealings with the Gentiles. But I want to focus on the first seven verses. The kingdom of heaven, that is the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel church, and His kingdom. That is those who believe on Him and repent of their sins, 
and profess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, come into a relationship with Him of Lordship. And this is the kingdom of heaven, where Jesus is king and we are the citizens of His kingdom. This was offered to the Jews. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. This is a further description of that statement. The marriage is the gospel marriage. It's not the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a simile. That's why the word like is there in the second verse. The kingdom of heaven is like. This is the marriage between Jesus and His church. This is the church relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, where we own Him to be the Son of God, the virgin-born Son of Mary, the Son of David by prophecy, our Lord, our Savior, our brother, our priest, our apostle, and all the other titles and names given to Him in Scripture. This is the marriage that we have, the relationship of fellowship, intimacy, and personal affection between the church and Jesus Christ. Israel was the church of the Old Testament. They first heard about Jesus Christ. It was to them that the gospel should go first. The good news and glad tidings of the kingdom went to them first. And when it says in the third verse that God sent forth servants to announce the marriage of His church to His Son, Jesus Christ, that He sent servants to the invitation list or those that were invited. And those servants were the prophets of God and the prophets and apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, especially John the Baptist and the Twelve. And it says in the last part of verse 3, they would not come. It doesn't say they could not come. I don't believe in total depravity that says they cannot come. The Bible doesn't teach such a thing. The Bible teaches that they will not come because they have a heart that is set against God and the things of God. We do not believe that the intellectual or the decisional, volitional power of man was altered by the fall. It was the motives that direct his intellect his intelligence, and his decisional and volitional abilities. It's our heart that is corrupt that chooses always, consistently, and only for sin and the devil instead of righteousness and God. They would not come. They would not come. And I ask you this day, when the God of heaven, who is jealous for the glory of His Son, looks out and looks into your heart and your life and looks into your words and your zeal and measures your passion for His house and your gladness to be here to worship God, does He see someone that has come gladly into the house of the Lord? Or does He see someone that would not come? The fact that you're here doesn't mean anything to God. The fact that you're here doesn't mean anything to me or anyone else with any spiritual understanding. What matters is the passion of your heart and the gladness of your soul toward the Lord Jesus Christ and His worship. That's coming. It's opening the door and inviting Him in to sup with you and you with Him. It's for fellowship. It's not for attendance. 
Verse 4 tells us that God sent forth other servants, more apostles, more preachers, more prophets, more evangelists, more bishops, pastors, and teachers. Tell them what you're bidden. And then the Lord explains that he's prepared the dinner, oxen and fatlings. There is a feast prepared, a feast of good things, and it's all free at a wedding. It's free. Come and celebrate with me the glories of my son Jesus. Verse 5 tells us they made light of it. Do you know how we make light of it? By other things becoming important in our lives. And those things distracting us or competing for our attention and affection. They cannot. They must not. I warn you as an ambassador from heaven and as a representative of God to you that you will give an account shortly. My mother in the next few days will be given account to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's very sobering to see the rapid decline of her physical body, which is going to free her spirit to stand before the Lord. And then we shall all stand there in the great day of judgment. We'll give an account. We have today, brethren. We don't have yesterday. God forgive us for yesterday. We don't have last year or a decade ago. God forgive us for last year or a decade ago. Bless us in this hour, not to make light of it, but to rejoice in it. We don't need to be so solemn and grave that we're not filled with joy and gladness. We want the combination of rejoicing with trembling, as the Bible describes. Jesus is a great king. He is our brother. I wish that you could gather this sermon series and my preaching to you about it, which I'm doing right now, though not as part of the sermon, that the Lord Jesus Christ was sitting on a chair behind me. And all this is, is an introduction to him. Whenever you go to a, a good meeting with a real speaker, that real speaker will be introduced to his audience so that they all understand who he is, what he's accomplished, and why he is worthy of standing before them to speak. And I'm presenting to you the Lord Jesus Christ in this series of messages that I want to preach to you. And I'm very convicted about it. And I don't want anything else to compete with it. Because you will give an account. And for the safety of your souls, don't make light of it. God doesn't care that you're here. He cares whether you are passionately engaged in the love and adoration and faith and service, worship and praise and thanksgiving of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a simple choice. He knows our frame. He knows your frame. Cast aside the things of this life. Cast aside the things of last week and the things of this coming week. Cast aside the things of this afternoon and choose to delight in the Lord Jesus Christ. They made light of it. It should anger you that they made light of it. But if it angers you, make sure that you're as equally angry or more so of the things in your life that have caused you to treat the things of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God lightly. They made light of it. And went their ways. You've got your little plans for today. Your family. What a joke. 
compared to the family of God, just because they have your DNA, so what? I want the DNA of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ coursing through my veins, my head and my heart. They went their ways. You have ways of business you have to take care of today. Maybe. You have ways of pleasure you may be planning for yourself. Don't make light of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we sing, may your voice be the loudest. May your heart have the most beautiful melody by the grace that is there as you love and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ in the songs that we sing. They went their ways, one to his farm. Who cares about a farm? Let it fall into disrepair and rot. Sell the farm. Let the banks foreclose on it. Sell it at a rock-bottom price. Sell it at a fire sale. And run to the house of God to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let your farm, your business, your job, your trade, your profession, your schooling, anything else that you're doing take you away from the Lord Jesus Christ. One to his his farm, another to his merchandise. His business, his trading, his selling, his buying, his investing. Run to him instead. There's a marriage supper. And it's not the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's right now in the gospel to love our husband and to delight in him and to rejoice and glorify God at raising up such a glorious man in the greatest drama that is the whole purpose for the entire universe. Right. It's the Son of God that I introduced to you today. I'm the least of His servants. But I will give it everything that I'm able to give. And then the remnant, others of these Jews, took His prophets and apostles and killed them. But when the king heard thereof, and that is God our Father, the Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth, the Lord Jehovah, when he heard thereof, he was wroth. I want you to think about this for a moment. If I or any other man invite you to a wedding and you do not come because you have business or school or other frivolous reasons for not coming, it only bothers us a little. But when the God of heaven does it, and he is jealous with a capital J, and it, 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 his, it is his son and his son's glory that is at stake, he is wroth, and righteously so, and rightly so, Amen. and holily so. And I love the fact that I get to preach to you a God that was wroth for them not coming to his wedding, and for them slaying his messengers. And he sent forth his armies under Titus, Caesar, Augustus, and destroyed those Jewish murderers and burned up their city of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. on the very same day of the year that Nebuchadnezzar had raised the city of Babylon the first time. Praise his great and glorious name. He's a great God. And he's worthy of all the worship that we can give him and all the worship that we can give his son, Jesus. 
Don't let the stupid little things of your life distract you from what's important. We all have stupid little things in our lives. I fear them. I hate them. I dread them. I love them. Aren't we sick? We have a flesh and a spirit. And because the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, you cannot do the things that you would. But Lord, help us this day to do the things that we would. And don't worry about tomorrow or next Sunday. Worry about right now. Will you sing with me and pray with me and read scripture and hear preaching with me and fellowship with me today about the Lord Jesus Christ? Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Matthew 21, if we had read the parable that is there, told us that the Lord of the vineyard took his vineyard away from the Jews and gave it to the Gentiles, a nation that would bring forth the fruits thereof. Now the issue today is, are we, a church of the Gentiles, going to give him the fruits thereof? Do you know how we do it? I've just told you. By praying and singing and fellowship and preaching and reading and hearing of the word of God and delighting in our heart in the fatness of the good things of the gospel. That's how we do it. Are you willing and ready to do it? Can you flush? Can you silver lever everything else in your life? Can you deep six it? Romans chapter 11 describes the cutting off of the Jews and the grafting in of the Gentiles, the fulfillment of Matthew chapter 21. I read in verse 20, the second sentence of verse 20 of Romans 11. Be not high-minded, you Gentiles, but fear. This is Paul, our apostle. Our beloved brother Paul, who loved us Gentiles, be not high-minded. Don't be puffed up and proud and arrogant thinking about what God did to those Jews when he was wroth and burned up their city. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, which were the Jewish nation, take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness. He was severe toward Israel. He was good toward us Gentiles. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. We can be cut off from these gospel privileges. The Spirit of God can be taken out of this assembly. God can leave it a carcass, the congregation of the dead. If you do not engage in the worship, and passionately so, of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm only as wroth as you deserve. He is more wroth than I am. If you make light of it this day, let us not go our ways. Let's not be thinking about the ways we must go this afternoon or tomorrow. Let us not be thinking of anything else but delighting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for letting me preach two sermons to you this morning. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Our blessed God and Father in heaven, He whose name 
alone is Jehovah, whose name is Jealous. We humble ourselves before thee as Gentiles and thank thee for thy goodness, which was shown to us so undeserved that we might partake and participate and be part of and invited to the marriage of the kingdom of heaven to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy great and glorious name. We behold thy severity toward the Jews for not coming. They would not come to the invitations of John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus Christ, the prophets and the apostles of our Lord. Heavenly Father, they went their own ways, one to his farm and another to his merchandise. The remnant of those wicked Jews slew your messengers and your only begotten son, and you burned up their city. We behold your severity. We thank you for the truth that you have shown us about this great event in the pages of the scriptures of both testaments. But Heavenly Father, we know that if we do not continue in thy goodness, thy severity will come upon us, for we are not even the natural branches. We are not by nature the people of God. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that this day, by your Holy Spirit, you will stir up our hearts and our minds that we might delight and rejoice and be glad to be in the house of the Lord and to worship the Lord of glory, the high King of heaven, the only begotten Son of God, our Lord and our Savior. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the things, the weights that hinder us in our race. Forgive us the cares of this world that choke out fruitfulness of thy word. And Heavenly Father, stir each one up here this day, forgiving them their sins, that we might worship thee with great passion and zeal, great pleasure and delight in thy Son, Jesus Christ. We pray not for ourselves only. We pray for every assembly of saints where they call upon thy name and the name of thy Son in sincerity and in truth that you will be among them and with them and bless them. Heavenly Father, preserve our nation for yet another day that we might worship thee in all godliness, quietness, and peace. Heavenly Father, forgive us our sins, which are many, the sinfulness of our flesh and the sin of our first father, Adam, and our sins of the ancient past and the recent past, where we have neglected putting thee first, and thy son first, and thy kingdom first in our lives. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for every good thing that comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Every good gift comes from thee. But Heavenly Father, there's only one gift that we ought to be considering in this hour, at this moment, and that is the unspeakable gift of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and eternal redemption by him. Our Father in heaven, we love thee and thank thee for having first loved us and sending thy Son to be the propitiation for our sins. What manner of love 
you have bestowed upon us that we should be the sons of God, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you have made a prince and a savior. We thank thee and praise thee. Heavenly Father, receive our worship, for we pray in Jesus' name that all things might be done to the glory of the Son. Amen. Amen.